living and dealing with the subject. Again, we're dealing with the, we're using the book of Romans, going through the book of Romans. We have already, already gone through the first three chapters of the book of Romans, and we are starting in Romans chapter 4. And, and what is the purpose of doing this? It is to establish the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. And we talked a lot about our right standing with God, but we noticed that our right standing with God came how? Through Jesus Christ. And so we established that Sunday. So I want to uh, go, go ahead, Casey, put up Romans chapter 4. Let's just jump right into this and let's see how far we get along. In this, Paul is continuing to establish his message to the Jewish people about justification by faith and not by works. So the Jews had this issue about, you know, as we get into Romans chapter 4, we will, we will see that the Jewish people wanted to use the outward rituals of circumcision and trying to use Abraham as a mean of showing that Abraham was circumcised. Surely he was. It was a seal of what God, what took place 13 years before Abraham was circumcised. So the, the seal, the circumcision was a seal of showing that he was righteous before God because he believed. He was not righteous because he was circumcised. Okay? And so uh, the Jewish, and well, today we will use, we will say uh, application today. They was talking about circumcision. Today we will look at different type of holiness to be saved, different type of baptism to be saved. You know, we had one time, uh, how, how were you baptized? I don't know any of y'all ever had that asked, but I had people ask me that all, how were you baptized? Were you baptized in the name of Jesus or were you baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? And so we made doctrines of baptism. But the prerequisite for salvation, as Paul was trying to show these Jews, was not the circumcision of the foreskin. Most, I mean, Abraham was made righteous when he believed God in Genesis 15, 6. Okay? The same thing about you and I. The prerequisite, even though baptism is important, but it's not a prerequisite to be saved. All right? And, and so, uh, and we got many other different things. People talk about different means of holiness and etc. You know, certain things you have to wear, certain things that you shouldn't wear. It would, you know, it would determine your holiness before God, which is not true. Okay, but they put all the and this is what religion does. Religion put all the outward, uh, uh, what I can say, outward manifestation of how you should dress, how you should look, how you should, you know, uh, and nothing inwardly in you change. And so and that's the problem. You can look good on the outside. But like Jesus said in Matthew chapter 23, you could be like white sepulchers on the inside. That means, you know, you're no good. You're, you're full of dead bones, full of men with dead bones, okay? You're a dead man with, well, how you say it? Full of uh, men with dead bones. That's That would be the best way to put it. And so before we do that, let me show you that verse of Scripture. Look at uh, Matthew 23 and look at verse 26, uh, Casey. 
I think I showed y'all this scripture Sunday. Did I show y'all this scripture Sunday? It says, when Jesus said, thou blind Pharisees, cleanse first that which is within the cup and the platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. When he talk about the cup and the mat- platter, he's not talking about a drinking cup. He's using your, your spirit. He's using your soul. He's talking about the inward part of you. He's talking about your heart. And then the outside will be cleansed. And that's the same thing with why, why we're here tonight. We're here to do what? We're here to cleanse our mind to walk in these truths. Are you following what I'm saying? And so Jesus told, said here, he said, cleanse first that which is within the cup and the platter, and that the outside of them may be clean also. In other words, so if you cleanse your heart, then guess what? Outwardly you'll be okay. Next verse. He said, woe unto you, strives and Pharisees, hypocrite, for you are like unto white sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but are within full of dead men bones and what of all uncleanliness. Can you see that? And so the Jews actually had a practice of circumcision, of holiness, of looking apart. But Jesus said, look what he called them. He said, you, 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 your, you know, your perils, you know, you look great on the outside. But within you, you're like uh, dead men bones and all uncleanliness. Are you following what I'm saying? So their mind, their soul was full of everything that you could think of. Okay? Now, I did give you a scripture Sunday, um, Psalm 141, verses 1 through 3, and Isaiah, I mean, and Psalm 53, 1 through 3. Now, I misquote those scriptures and told you that those scriptures were based on. I was listening to myself today, and I and I recognized that those scriptures were. Yeah, uh, I was using it said about King David as a mean of showing his repentance because of what he did with Bathsheba. It's not Psalm 53, it's Psalm 50. Okay, but Psalm 53, 1 through 3, and uh, let's look at that again. And uh, uh, Psalm 141, verses 1 through 3. This is also, these scriptures is also complementing this verse of scripture, which goes with, Romans chapter 3, verses 9 through 18, where Jesus, where Paul was saying, there is none righteous. You know, they're full of lies. They're full of uh, 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 all manner of evil. Well, this was David quoting here of letting them know because the verses that we looked at in Romans chapter 3, verses, especially verses 9 through 18, Paul was establishing the fact that nobody was cleansed, nobody was righteous before God. Okay? And so here is a quotation here in uh, Psalm 53, verse 1. I'm just trying to clean this up because I listened to myself and uh, it's, it's the right scripture but those scriptures didn't go for David about his sin. It went for the, to prove that all men were unclean before God. But Psalm 50 is the verse, is the chapter that, I think it's verse, I think it's like, I don't know, maybe 17 verses in Psalm 50 that David talked about repenting. You know, his repentance, and he said, against thee, O God, have I sinned, cleanse me uh, with thy Holy Spirit. 
cast not away from me your Holy Spirit. Y'all remember reading those first scriptures? And that was David right there. But we're going to talk about that again tonight uh, in Romans chapter 4. But notice this. It said, the fool said and it has said in his heart, there is no God. Corrupt are they and have done abominable iniquity, and there is none that do it good. Well, they, Paul was quoting this. This is a quotation of David, and Paul was using Old Testament scripture to prove to the Jewish people that how they look good outwardly, but inwardly he was revealing to them, yes, you may be this and you may be that, but he said there is none, he said there is no, no God, corrupt are they, and they have all done abominable iniquity, there is none that do it good. Next verse. God looks down from heaven and upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and that did seek God. Every one of them is gone back. They are altogether become filthy, and there is none that do it good, no, not one. Now, let's look at that in Romans chapter 3 and look at verses, uh, I say verse 9. I believe it's verse 9. He goes on to say, what then? Are we better than they? Well, go back, go back, go back to verse, go back to verse 3. Here we go. For what if some did not believe? Should their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? Absolutely not. God forbid. He said, let God be true and every man a liar. Here we go. As it is written that thou mightest be justified in thy saying and mightest overcome when thou art judged. Watch this, verse 5. But if our unrighteousness commend the righteousness of God, what shall we say? Is God unrighteous who taketh vengeance? I speak as a man. No, God is not unrighteous, right? We know that. God forbid, for then how shall God judge the world? For if the truth of God has more abounded through my lie unto his glory, why yet am I also judged as a sinner? Next verse. And not rather as being slanderous, reported as some affirm that we say, let us do evil that good may come whose damnation is just. Now here we go. This is all that here we go right here. He said, what then? Are we better than they? No. In no wise. For we before prove both Jews and Gentiles that they are all what? Under sin. Watch the quotation. As it is written. Didn't we see that in Psalm 53? There is none righteous. No, not one. So what David was doing, I mean Paul was doing. He was quoting David out of the old covenant to do what? To reveal to them that your righteousness about, you know, your righteousness through the law Never could be. Why? Because the law, the law strengthens sin. Okay? And that's, uh, what is that? 1 Corinthians 15, 56. It says how the commandment, when, and then Romans 7, 9 said, the commandments came, sin revived, and I died. What is that simply saying? That's simply saying your enemy is not your neighbor. What is your enemy? Anybody know? I gave, Huh? What, what is your enemy? I gave y'all the answer Sunday. Your enemy is sin. That's your enemy. 
And we were already defeated because it's through the first Adam. Okay? So, notice this. Next verse, Art Casey. He said, there is none that understand it. There is none that seek after God. Didn't we read that in Isaiah 53, 1 through 3? And they, notice it. They are all gone their way. They are all together become what? Unprofitable. And there is what? None. Verse 3 of Isaiah, I mean, uh, uh, of Psalm 53. Go back, Kate. He said, and there is none that do it good. No, not what? Not one. None that understand it. There is none that what? Seek it after God. Because why? Everybody has fallen below the glory of God. Next verse. And they are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that do it good. No, not one. Remember the rich young ruler said, I kept all these from my youth up? Well, what does this scripture right here say? Not one. And if you notice, if you notice, he broke the first commandment of the law. Okay? And notice this. Next verse. Their throats are an open sepulcher. With their tongue, they have used deceit and poison of app is under their lip. That's what I was quoting in Matthew chapter 26. I mean, chapter 23, verse 26, that Jesus was using. Keep going. Whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Next verse. And their feet are swift to shed blood. Next verse. Destruction and misery are where? In their way. And the way of peace they have not known. And there is no fear of God before their eye. That's, put that up in uh, Psalm 141. Look at verses 1 through 3. The fool says in his heart that there is no God. That's Psalm 141. And it said, I cry unto thee, make haste unto me, give ear to my voice when I cry unto thee. Is that right? Psalm 141. Let my prayers be set before thee as an incense and the lifting up. That's not the right one. And the even sacrifice, that's David quoting that. Next verse. Set a watch, O Lord, over my mouth and keep the door of my lip. No, that's not the right verse. That's not the right, uh, the right scripture. Uh, what is the scripture that says, uh, about a fool says in his heart, there is no God. I thought it was, I thought it was some. 141. Huh? What is it? Psalm 14.1? Okay, but it's another one, yeah? The, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And this is, this is, this is, part, of the, this is part of what uh, Paul was quoting right here in verses 9, 10, and 12. They are corrupt. They have done abominable work. And there is none that what? Do it good. Is that right? And the Lord looked down from heaven. Looked down from, uh, looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there was any that what? Understood and seek God. 
They are all gone aside and they are all together become filthy and there is none that do it good. No, not what? One. I think these, these are the scriptures right here. I said, well, Psalm 141 to Psalm 14. <laughs> okay, next verse case. I, no, that's it right there, isn't it? Yeah, and that's, that's, that's good. That's what I wanted to cover, recover that because uh, the scriptures are right, but they were put in the wrong place. So I wanted to make sure that I straighten that out. So as you go back to Romans chapter 4, That's why I listen to my own teacher to correct myself. Okay, Romans chapter 4, and look at verse 1. So here it is, Paul said, What shall we say then, that Abraham our father, as pertaining to the flesh, has found? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has whereof to glory, but not before God. Why? Because it is of a debt. And put this in the NLT because y'all are going to be able to better understand this. I like the old King James, but if his good deed had made him acceptable to God, he would have something to do what? To boast about. But that was not God's way. For the scripture tells us Abraham did what? What did Abraham do? He believed God and it was what? Counted. Another word that you could use counted was it was imputed to him or it was reckoned to him for righteousness. Because what? The word counted means it's an accounting term. It's something that we use to say take inventory. That's one of the Greek words in, that, in a strong dictionary for that word counted. It's one of the words that you use to do an estimate, inventory. You take an inventory. He said, for what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and God did what? Counted him as what? Righteous because of his what? His faith. In other words, because he believed God. Now, we know Abram, Abram believed God, and I think I showed y'all this in Romans chapter uh, 15. Let's show you how this belief came about. Look in uh, Genesis chapter 15, and notice verse 6. And Abraham believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of of his faith. Now, how did that come about? Go back to verse 3, the same chapter. He said, you have given me no descendant of my own. Now, Abram is in a vision. He's asleep or in a dream, however you want to call it. And God is communicating with him. He said, so one of my own servant will be my heir. He's talking about Elziah. Next verse. And then the Lord said to him, no, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. So what the Lord is doing, he's communicating to Abram about his plan for his life. So the burden of the proof is what? Always on God to show you what it is he's expecting of you. 
Because you don't really know how to stand if the Lord doesn't reveal to you what it is I'm calling you to. Because once he show you, it's going to take everything you got to live by faith, to walk that out, to stand on that word. Why? Because you're going to have many things, temptation, many trials to throw you off the path. And this is what happened to Abraham. Look, so look, look what took place right here. And the Lord, what did the Lord do? He took Abram outside in this dream now and said to him, look up into the skies and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. In other words, God was trying to reveal to him what his, you know, what his inheritance is going to look like. And the Bible said Abram believed, Abram believed the Lord and it was counted to him for righteousness sake. So let's look at covenant when covenant was made. Keep going. And then the Lord told him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur, the Chattering, to do what? To give you this land as your possession. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, how can I be sure that I will actually possess it? See, this is a conversation that they got going on. It's nothing wrong with you and I questioning the Lord about his plan. There's a verse of scripture in Isaiah 43. It says, declare thou that thou mayest be justified. In other words, the Lord said, okay, you think something is not right? Come up, declare you. Make your, make your declare. Make your request. Let's talk it out. Y'all ever read that scripture before? Anybody ever read that scripture before? Okay, okay so put uh, Isaiah 43:25 for a moment. This is what the Lord given Abraham an opportunity to do. Yes, I am. Yes, I, yes, I alone will blot out your sin for my own sake and will never think of them again. Next verse. There we go. Now, NLT said, let us review <laughs> the situation together. And you can present your case. To prove you're innocent. That's what the scripture says. It says, put me in remembrance. Can you see what I'm saying? So, you know, God wants you and I to communicate with him. He don't want you to live in fear. He wants you to speak to him about the plan that he gave you. If it's something you're on, well, Lord, how can we do this? Well, what, you know, how is this going to come about? What, what stand you want me to do? The Holy Spirit, God is obligated and committed to what? Through the power of the Holy Spirit to lead you in the way that you should go. Okay? All right, now, Casey, go back. Uh, oh, there it is right there. Put me in remembrance. Let us plead together. Declare thou that thou may be what? Justified. Amen? And that, that's, that, that's a powerful verse of Scripture. Go back to Genesis chapter 15 and look at verse 7. I think that's where we were. So what are we proving? We're proving that Abraham, how did Abraham became righteous? Abraham became righteous because he believed in the word that God gave him in the dream. And the covenant is cut. We'll see that in just a moment. Next verse, Casey. But Abraham replied, next verse. 
The Lord told him, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Look what he said. Bring me a heifer. Lord Jesus. So Abram presented all these to him and killed them. And then he cut each animal down the middle and laid half side by side and did not, however, cut the birds in half. Next verse. And some vultures swooped down to eat the carcasses, but Abram chased them away. And the sun was going down, and Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a terrifying darkness came down over him. What was Abram doing? He was trying to watch over only what God himself could do. But look at this. And then the Lord said to Abram, after he put him in that sleep, you can be sure that your descendant will be strangers in a foreign land where they will be oppressed as slaves for 400 years. Next verse. But I will punish the nation that enslaved them, and in the end they will come away with great wealth. Whoa. Next verse. And as for you, you will die in peace and be buried at a ripe old age. Next verse. And here's the, uh, well, next verse. After four generations, your descendant will return here to this land for the sin of the Amorites do not yet warrant their destruction. In other words, it's not filled to the place that whereas God going to take. God just waiting for the right opportunity to do what? See, the battle is not yours. The battle is the Lord. Are you following what I'm saying? Abraham was no match. What's that, J.W.? Abraham was no match for... For what? For the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Precite, all those Ikes, right? Go to the next verse. And the sun went down and darkness fell upon Abram and he saw a smoking fire pot, a flaming torch passed between the half of the caucus. I mean, yeah. And the Lord made a covenant with Abram that day and said, I've given this land to your descendants all the way from the border of Egypt to the great uh, Euphrates River. What was God doing? He's making a covenant. And he said, the land that now occupied the Kenites, the Kizites, the Camomites, all them ites, keep going, Casey, all those like Canaanites and et cetera, right? And that's the end of chapter 15, right? Now let's go to chapter 16. Now let's look at this in chapter 16. Now notice this. In verse 1, now, remember, God declared him what? Righteous. Because he did what? He believed God. Well, let's see some of the, let's see the mistakes that he and Sarah made along the way, and it did not affect their right standing with God. Okay? Watch this. Now, Sarah, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarah said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Now, what did the Lord tell her? It should come from your own bowels. It should come from your own lawn. Talking about him and her. But you see how unbelief? But he was just as much as part of it also. Okay? And notice this. The Lord has prevented me from having children. Now, why would, here's a question. Why would the Lord, why would the Lord say, why wouldn't the Lord just say, nope, I can't use you because of, your, because of the sin that you committed? Well, you know, just, I mean, just think about it. 
What took place in Genesis 15, what was it, verse 17? What took place? Covenant. When God passed through those, that's what a smoking furnace, remember that? Let's go back to the verse, Casey, so you can remember that. Uh, I think it's verse 17. Is it verse 17? the 15 chapter? Well, God cut the covenant. I think that's a verse. And the sun went down, and, a dark, and darkness fell upon Abram, and he saw a smoking fire pot, a flaming torch passed between the half. God was cutting covenant right there. Keep going. And so the Lord made a covenant with Abraham that day and said, I have given this land to your descendant all the way from the borders of Egypt to the great rivers of Euphrates. What was God doing? God had already made a covenant. So God can't change his mind. See, we don't know much about covenant on this side. We do, but notice the covenant that we live by in the Western culture. Called what? What do they call? If you bought a car or a house on time, what is That's a covenant, but it's a what? It's a contract. But that's what a covenant is. A covenant is like a contract. In the Middle East, they make covenant by drawing blood from each other, and the blood mingle. The covenant that Abraham made with God, this is why God put him to sleep, and God had him to divide those parts, because why? Neither one, the covenant bind that neither one could back out. So just as God was, you know, had to do what? On his part, work with Abram until faith came. In other words, he believed God, the word that God said, but when we look at this, it doesn't look like he got it. But so what does the scripture say in Romans 10, 17? So then faith cometh how? By hearing. So God, the burden of proof is always on God to do what? To keep revealing, keep reminding, so that he, what is he doing? Navigating him back to the plan that he called him to. Can you see that? He's, do, he's doing that with you and I today. How many times have you and I may have gotten off course? And he keep using things to do what? To bring you back to that place. Can you see it? And so notice this. Now go back to uh, Genesis 16, Casey, and look at what is that, verse 2. So Sarah said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her, and Abram agreed with Sarah's proposal. So what were they doing? They were trying to meet the will of God in the flesh. How, now, how many times have we done that? God gave you a plan. God called you to something, and we try in the flesh to make it happen because we feel the burden is on us to make this thing come to pass. No, it's not on you. God needs you as a body to navigate, but the burden of bringing the promise to pass is on him. Now, the act of my obedience according to the faith of Christ, that is my action. Faith is an act. Faith is a response of what God has revealed. So now I'm using faith 
as God using with Abraham to do a, to respond to what I called you to. It took him to get, he was 100, Sarah was 90. Now how can a 90-year-old woman and a 100-year-old man bring forth a baby? It was a biological miracle. Watch this. So she said, perhaps I can have children through her and Abram agree with her. Next verse, Casey. So Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave, to her, gave her to Abram as a wife. And this happened 10 years after Abram had settled in the land of Cain. So this is not something that just happened overnight. So in other words, for 10 years, they've been working at this. But what happened? Just like any of us, you get weary. You get worn down. When is it going to happen? If, if, if it was going to happen by now, it would have happened. All right? Next verse, case. And Abram had sexual relation with Hagar, and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew that she was pregnant, she begun to do what? Treat her mistress Sarah with contempt. Well, you can't have no two women in the same house. We already know that, right? Boy, I ain't get one amen. I, I'm going to say, yeah, no, you can't. That's going to be a fight in that house. You flew around and go somewhere and the house may not be there no more with them two women in that house. You understand what I'm saying? Right? Right? Nobody saying nothing. Look at that. Oh, Jesus, I tell you. I got my sanctified people here tonight. I need Next verse. <laughs> I know y'all want to be all Christian-like, but let another woman show up. Wait a minute. Now. Look here now. Let me show you. Look here. Look here. Amen. Look, I already heard that. Hmm. I know where that came from. <laughs> My wife doing her feet like this. Let her come in if she wants. <laughs> she tell me. I go in that mess with her. I'm in the kitchen now. <laughs> she got the knife in her hand. I said, oh, Jesus, help her, Lord. <laughs> yeah, I am a man. Now we'll think about what happened to a woman. Oh, go ahead on, JW. <laughs> and Abram replied, Look, she is your servant. So deal with her as you see fit. And then Sarah treated Hagar so harshly that she finally ran away. Well, you see, it wasn't the will of God. You see what happens in the flesh? Keep going, Casey. And the angel of the Lord found Hagar beside a spring of water in the wilderness all along the road of Shur. And the angel said to her, Hagar, Sarah's servant, where have you come from? And where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarah. She replied, <laughs> keep going. And the angel said to her, return. Now, that don't sound right. <laughs> So I'm going to tell you, return <laughs> your mama. 
you say, return to your mission and submit to her authority. Oh, Jesus. Keep going, Casey. Then he added, I will give you more descendant than you can count. So now you know who the descendant of Hagar, right? Right? <clears throat> Ishmael, and so Ishmael has, this is where all the Middle East come from Ishmael. So all of the Jews, the Arabs, the Muslims, the uh, Palestinians, they're all relatives. And then, I, and then he add, I will give you more descendants than you can count. Keep going. And the angel said, also said, you are now pregnant with and will give birth to a son and you are to name him Ishmael, which means God hears. For the Lord has heard your cry of distress. So notice it. So what does Ishmael mean? God hears. Keep going. And the son, and the, and this son of yours will be a wild man, untamed as a wild donkey. He will raise his first his fist against everyone, and everyone will against him. Yes, he will live in open hostility against all of his relatives. That's what's taking place right now. Keep going. And thereafter, Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord who has spoken to her. And she said, you are the God who sees me. She also said, have I truly seen the one who sees me? Keep going. So that well was named, what is that? Which means well of the living one who sees me, I can still be found between Kadesh and and bearer. Keep going. So Hagar gave Abram a son, and Abram named him Ishmael. Keep going. And Abram was 86 years old when Ishmael was born. When that time took place, there's a silence between from that time to the 17th chapter, and that's something like maybe 13, 14 uh, years that God was silent in talking with Abraham about this son. Watch this. Keep going, Casey. And Abram, our uh, next verse, 17th chapter, Abram was 99 years old. So 86, 99 from 86 is what? 13, 13 years old, 13 years in between. And now look what the Lord says. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am what? El Shaddai, God Almighty, serve me faithfully and live a what? Blameless life. Notice he didn't say a sinless life. What he's telling him to live what? In other words, the thing that we cut covenant with in Genesis 15, 6, I'm holding you to that. So that's why the Lord said, appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty, serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. So what does the word El Shaddai mean? What would that word mean to you? 
I'm the God Almighty. Hmm? Meaning I'm the all-sufficient one. That's right. Next verse. Casey, number, I will make my covenant with you by which I will what? Grant, guarantee to give you countless descendants. Keep going. At this, Abram fell on his face on the ground. And then God said to him, this is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. What's more, I am changing your name. So what is God doing? Remember, the burden of the proof is on God to bring this thing to pass. So what does God does? He changes his name from Abram, which is highly exalted, to father of many nations. Instead, I will call you will be called Abraham, for you will be the father of many nations. Next verse. And I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become mighty of many nations, and kings will be among them. Next verse. And I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after you from generation to generation. This is the everlasting covenant. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you. I don't want to get stuck. And I will give the entire land of Canaan where you now live as a foreigner to you and your descendants. What is he doing? He's reminding him of what he did in Genesis 15. Keep going, Casey. Then God said to Abraham, your responsibility, here we go, is to obey the terms of the covenant. Remember God made a covenant with him? So he said, your responsibility is to obey the terms of the covenant. You and all your descendants have this continual responsibility. Here we go. This is a covenant that you and your descendants must keep. Each male among you must be circumcised. And this is where the Jewish people, the religious leaders, forgot all about that Abraham was already righteous 13 years plus before this seal of the covenant of circumcision came about. Okay? Notice this. This is a covenant that you and your descendant must keep. Each male among you must be circumcised. Keep going. Now, Sarah, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. Oh, we're going to the 17, the 18 chapter. What am I doing? I'm using this Genesis 16, 17, 18, to, and then we, we jump over to 20, 21, and 22. The reason why I'm doing that is to show you the righteousness of God that was by faith that Abraham believed God. But I'm trying to show you, look at all the mistakes he made along the way. The same as you and I today. You and I must get to the place of what not. What is repentance for? I'm a <clears throat> Notice it. You must cut off the flesh of your foreskin as a sign of the covenant between me and you. Keep going. From generation to generation, every male must be circumcised. See, that was, that, that was something that was this covenant of circumcision that doesn't belong to you and I today. If 
Notice that the covenant that God made with him, it was not the prerequisite for his right standing with God. This was a seal. This was a sign to show that now I change your name and everyone that's going to become a part of you, when they are circumcised, notice that it is a part of the covenant that I made with you. I mean, understand what I'm saying. Can you see that? Notice this. So he said, from generation to generation, every man must be circumcised on the eighth day after his birth. This applies not only to the members of your family, but also to the servants born in your household and foreign-born servants from whom you have purchased. In other words, a lot of times back then, even you know, in this 20th century or whatnot, people felt like every male needed to be circumcised. They were trying to what? Follow something by the law. Okay, next verse. All must be circumcised. Your body will bear the mark of my everlasting covenant. Well, the cut of covenant now is not the foreskin. The cut of the covenant now is in your heart. Look at this, uh, Philippians chapter uh, 3. And I think, look at verse 9, Philippians 3. Is it 9? That's it. Put it in King James. Notice what Paul says. And be found in him not having my own righteousness, which is what? Of the law, but that which is what? Through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God. How? By faith. Now back it up, uh, what, three verses? Go to verse three. Same chapter. For we are, what? The circumcision which worship God, where? In the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and having no confidence, where? In the flesh. Well, the cutting of their skin gave them confidence. It was a seal. It was a sign to show that God was with them. But the cut now is in your heart. Your spirit has been what? Sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So the circumcision, that's why Paul said, for we are the circumcision which worship God where? In spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and what? Have no confidence in the flesh. Can y'all see that? You have no confidence in your flesh. So we are the circumcision, the circumcision which worship God in the spirit. Everything that God did for them, yes, it was in the flesh, but it was a typo of Christ that we have now. We have the real deal. They had the typo. The typo was the circumcision of the flesh. Our circumcision is of the spirit. We have a changed spirit. Can y'all see that? All right. I'm a, let, me, let me get ready to close with this. Okay. <clears throat> uh, Casey, go back over there to... Uh, To, to not Genesis. We'll go back to Romans chapter 4. Let's close with this. Romans chapter 4 and jump down and look down there at verse 16. 
Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed. Notice it didn't say seeds. That seed is Christ. And not to that only which is of the law, but to that which is what? Of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. So notice what he said. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be what? By grace. So what was faith? Faith was the response of what grace had made provision for. What did grace make provision? He said, to the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed. What is that promise? That promise is that God will bring, will send us a Savior. So we all have a Savior, and now, guess what? My right standing with God is not based on my performance. My right standing with God, it is of the faith of Jesus Christ. Amen. So your justification, you and I being justified, our justification is not based on anything but having faith in a savior. But I use this right here for Abraham to reveal. And it's not we're not finished with it, but to get you to see, look at the mistakes that Abraham had made. What if someone in our day make the same mistake that Abraham had made, even his wife? Would you think you'd be a part of their church? Would you think you'd be a part of their fellowship? I can answer that already for you. No. But you see how tradition has taught us? Now, I'm not talking about you just flat out right, just living. Here they were trying to obey God, trying to fulfill the will of God, and also notice they didn't have a Bible. So they were living this out as they went. Amen? Any questions? A lot of information, a lot of word, a lot of uh, scriptures given you, but I have to give it to you in this manner to, till I get down here uh, to verse 17 on through 21, and then we jump into chapter 5. But I need to give it to you in this light. Why? Because, again, the point that we're trying to make here is that our justification is not by keeping the letter of the law, but Abraham's justification came by the faith that he, he believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. Okay? And the reason why it was counted to him because he believed God. He took God at his word. And what did God do? God got Abram to the place that he would kill his only son. Now, that's powerful. Amen? A man went from doubt unbelief, and he got in faith in trusting God that even if God was to kill him, God was able to raise him up again. Amen. Well, that's all we have for you tonight. We'll pick it up again.